All right. The book of James, we'll be continuing on um, uh, in, on um, a series on the book of James. And today I'll be covering James 5, verses 13 to 18. Okay. So we know um, the book of James. I think Chris might have already um, explained the background of the book of James. It's very quickly. It's written by James, the brother of Jesus. Distinctively, James is a very practical book. He doesn't go into a lot of like theological things, but um, focuses instead on telling us how to live out our faith as Christians with godly wisdom. So let's look at James 13, 18. I'll just read it. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing, psalm, sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess the trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. So if it's okay with you today, you know the passage, it's quite simple. Um, but I'd like to go um, verse by verse. We're going to go down the passage verse by verse because in it, there's a lot of rich gems and I'm hoping to um, draw out and um, expound a little bit on. So um, if you can go to the next slide, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. So the passage, James begins this passage by highlighting um, some life circumstances, Right? Is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among us here suffering? To suffer is to endure pain, to go through affliction, to undergo difficulty. Um, you know, in earlier verses, um, James, like point, like um, James wrote about the prophets, um, prophets, and 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 Job. So, you know, the prophets. Powerful prophets, they walked closely with God. They were used very mightily by God. Um, and Job, right, a righteous man, but endured intense suffering. Jesus' disciples all endured suffering, right? Um, so we know that godly people are not spared from suffering. Among all of us here, there are people who are suffering. Some of us are suffering. And... <clears throat> Sorry. Um, suffering is not really a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It is part of life circumstances that we deal with. So it may be physical, emotional, financial, it could be relational or spiritual. When we are confronted with suffering, um, many of us, we may become anxious, discouraged, um, we may grumble or give up, and sometimes we very quickly move on to try to solve um, whatever cause of our suffering without much consultation with God. In the following sentence, James gave a very clear counsel of what we ought to do when we are suffering. He says, let him pray. 
when we face difficulties, go into God's presence and pray. I know it's like simple instructions, um, but James felt inspired by the Holy Spirit to make sure that is in Scripture for us. Next, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. So James is covering both ends of the spectrums in our circumstances, right? We are suffering or we are cheerful. If you are cheerful, let him sing psalms. Now, he's not shifting here from prayer to praise because prayer, in essence, is, uh, is us coming into God's presence and communicating with him, having communion with our Father. So, um, so when we are in the valleys, so James is speaking to those of us who are in the valleys. When we're in the valleys, we come to God's presence and we pray. We are on the mountaintops, we come into God's presence and we tell him and we give him thanks, we sing praises. So in Thessalonians, um, wait, am I powering my slides? Okay, good. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16, 17, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Also in Romans um, 12, 12, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I love Romans 12. It's one of my favorite passages because first, um, Paul, you know, talk about um, us offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. And then he talks about um, the, the gifts and the talents that God has given us um, and, and, you know, using that, that, you know, living out our faith, using those gifts, serving one another, serving the Lord. And the guiding disposition of that is love. Um, and then, he went on to say that, you know, as part of living out our faith is to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Um, that's why I thought it was really good um, when Megan received that word because it's very relevant to, um, to the passage that I'll be speaking. And so to some of us here who may be going through this period um, of suffering, you're... you're you haven't got the breakthrough yet, but it's a, it's a season of waiting. And Megan's word was to wait in the Lord, to encourage the Lord to come and minister, to be in His presence during this time. Okay, moving on, verses 14 and 15. Is anyone among you sick? Call for the elders to pray over them, and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Here, um, so James, th verse 13, is personal prayers, right? In all our circumstances, whether you are suffering or you're cheerful, you pray or you praise, personal. And then from 14, 15, James shifts and moves from personal prayer to interpersonal prayer and corporate prayer, which is what we will be doing after this. Um, you know, we are told to pray for ourselves, but we are also um, told to pray for one another. He instructs the sick person to call for the elders to pray. Okay, elders is not like, doesn't just mean like, you know, our three elders. Um, it's uh, our pastors, our faith leaders, your home group leaders, people who have um, spiritual authority over us, people who are more mature in their faith um, than us. Um, before I go, before I move on, just let me address this. Call for the elders of the church to pray. So if we are not connected 
to a local church, if we are not planted to a local church, we are not able then to obey this command to access um, or to call the elders whom we are connected with to pray for us. So, you know, it's, um, yes, there's personal prayer, right, which, we, which we've covered in, in verse 13, but the scripture makes it very clear that there are circumstances that come up and part of the remedy is to um, call forth the faith leaders to stand with us, to pray alongside us. Um, yeah, you know, it's very easy to just have access to great sermons um, online nowadays um, and to, you know, even, even if you're part of FGA, to just watch our uh, replay. Um, that's part of the reason why we no longer have replay and you have to now tap in because we want to encourage everyone to be planted. If you're part of FGA, you need to be planted so that, so that part of the reason is that when circumstances such as, such as this, right, come up, you are connected and you can then call for the elders of the church and tap into their faith to journey with you. Okay, moving on. So we talk about how there is personal prayer and then there is interpersonal and corporate prayer. So why, why that shift? Why is it important that um, we're not just alone by ourselves, bringing our, our needs and, and, and praising God alone ourselves without community, without the interpersonal prayer. So let's look at Matthew 18. It says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So that's a great promise given to the body of Christ collectively. It says when you come together in agreement, when we say in the name of, of Jesus, right? In alignment with the nature and the character and the power of Jesus, we can bind or put a halt to things that are not glorifying to God. And then we can release, we can lose and we can release things that, that bring glory to God. And now that comes when we are gathered as a believer in, un, in unity in the name of the Lord. So in circumstances such as sickness or suffering, or we need breakthrough, or in the um, uh, events of an attack, a spiritual attack, um, we have the power to bind and loose and bring God's plan into fruition together as a body of Christ. Some of you may think, well, does that mean that, you know, when I'm with another believer, we can ask for anything and God will answer? Anything. Okay, let's look at John 14. In the name of the Lord, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, in my name. When we pray in Jesus' name, what does it mean? Now, you know, we, in all our prayers, we always end with, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You say grace, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. That is not like a closing phrase for all your prayers. So I want to highlight why and what it means when we say in Jesus' name, Amen. Because that 
makes all the difference. So when we pray in Jesus' name, we are praying in alignment with his nature. We are praying in accordance to his will. And we are praying in commitment and submission to his character and his position. So we use the authority we have in Jesus to invoke God's presence and powers in our prayer. And those prayers bring honor and pleasure to Jesus and it brings glory to God. So it's not whatever you ask, God will do. It is whatever you ask in the name of Jesus, whatever you ask that, it, that aligns with the will of God, that is under the submission of God. Yeah? Okay. Um, back to James 14, sorry, uh, 14, 15, verses 14, 15. Okay. Is anyone among you sick? Call for the elders to pray. So all of us deal with um, suffering differently, right? From pastoral experiences, we know that sometimes when people go through difficulties, some tended to withdraw, some tended to um, act out, or some are not able to self-soothe, so then they will talk to other people. Um, and some just like, you know, gung-ho and I can do it myself. I'm just going to shoulder it all by myself. Um, even in my own family, I have a whole spectrum of all of that. One would just like, I'm going to withdraw, I'm going to think my way out. Right? One is like, I'm going to just say everything. I'm just going to like make up things that may not be a suffering, but you know, I'm, I'm going to project that and it may be suffering. I just want to talk to people about it. And one just go like, you know, I can do it. I can solve it by myself. I don't need anyone. So, you know, all of us deal with suffering quite differently. Um, <laughs> but, um, and I know, you know, just through pastoral experiences as well, sometimes even when we are walking with another person who are going through difficulty, I know it is very hard. And if you've gone um, through a very difficult period yourself, you know sometimes it's very hard to initiate the first step to ask for help, right? But verse 14, 15, James, James is encouraging us that, you know, God hasn't put the burden um, of um, help on our own burden alone. And um, he's encouraging us in this verse that we can actually tap into the faith of other more mature believers to journey alongside us. Okay. Um, Sorry, I'm just gonna, I've just lost my notes. Okay. All right. And, um, okay, the prayer of faith, that's where I want to go, sorry. This verse tells us that the prayer of faith, it is a prayer of faith that affects healing. Prayers of faith are powerful not because of the person praying them, but the subject, or rather the object of our faith whom we put our faith in, which is God. Because you know what? Pray to a false God. It doesn't matter how much faith we have, um, our prayers are useless. But if we pray to the, to, the, to the one true God in faith and accordance to His will, we can be expectant that He will answer our prayers. So we shift the focus from ourselves and our suffering, right? With the help of other believers, like gather together with other believers and we look 
by faith to God and to his character, who he is to us, that he loves us so much that he wants what's best for us. And sometimes when we're not able to do it ourselves, we tap into the faith of other more uh, mature believers, our brothers and sisters in, in interpersonal and corporate prayer, and we journey together. Um, so one thing about healing, you know, healing, the topic of healing has spanned this spectrum of great neglect and great abuse, right? One side um, says that we are all supposed to be healed as long as you have enough faith. And the other one said that, no, 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 we no longer uh, you know, are supposed to be healed miraculously. We can only be healed through doctors. Um, and either extreme, extremes are always not very helpful. So Pastor Gary Hamrick from um, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, he said, there are three ways um, when it comes to healing, three ways um, God can heal people. And he says, medically, miraculously, and eternally. God still heals people miraculously, but he often also heals via medical means. But he also simply just takes people home, and that's their healing. We don't often understand um, healing. Um, I just want to touch very briefly on it because, you know, with healing, um, we often don't fully understand because we only see with one perspective, whereas God has got this eternal, omnipre omnipresent, omniscient um, perspective. Um, but still, Despite God's sovereignty, um, we should never stop praying because God still heals miraculously. You never know what um, your prayer can affect. And so we pray earnestly. That's our responsibility, but we leave the results to God. 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Here, James is not talking about um, mere physical healing, but he's saying spiritual healing, um, spiritual healing too. So spiritual healing comes when we confess our sins to God and get right with God. Now, he's not advocating that we don't have to confess with God, we just confess to one another. No, um, what he's saying is that there is a liberating healing that can come to our heart when we confess privately and confidentially to trusted people. Right? Because we know sin, when it's kept in darkness, it has greater power. And James is encouraging us for spiritual healing, confess your sins to one another. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Here, James is not highlighting the power of a righteous person. He said, the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But he didn't say that the power comes from the righteous person because it is the Lord who supplies the power to the prayers because our righteousness comes from Christ, Philippians 3, 9, right? So um, before I move on to 17 and 18, just a quick summary. So 13 talks about personal prayer in all circumstances, suffering and when you're cheerful. And then um, 14, 15, 14, 15 talks about, 14, 16 actually talks about um, interpersonal and corporate prayer. Now, 14 to 16, James has now opened up the ministry of confession and healing to the body of Christ. It's not just one pastor or your leader saying, um, um, you know, who, uh, who's preaching here or whatever, but he's opened up the entire ministry of confession and healing to the body of Christ. That's why it's very, very important for us to not neglect gathering together for prayer. And that our prayers alone at home 
um, doesn't span the entire model that God wants to have. So verses 17, 18, this is one of my favorites. So James here is referring to the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 18. So this is an account of Elijah praying for drought, and then three and a half years later, prayed for rain. In both circumstances, God answered his prayer and then displayed his power mightily in front of everyone. Um, but James is very quick to emphasize that Elijah was a man with nature just like ours. You know, when we think of Elijah, few of us would think that he's an ordinary man. He was a prophet of God. He walked closely with God, and God used him powerfully to perform some very high-profile miracles. But even so, James points out that Elijah was a man with nature just like ours. And his prayers come from God, the power to his prayers came from God in response to his fervent, effectual prayers. Now, a nature just like us, you know, he's mortal, he's fallible, and he has his uh, weaknesses and flaws just like all of us. You know, one of, the, um, one of the reasons that I often hear when people, you know, say that, oh, they, they, they don't really like praying, um, is that th that's not really in my nature. It's not natural for me. I'm not like so-and-so, you know, they really like to pray. So it's not really in my nature um, to pray. But just let me put it to you that, you know, that may be true of your old nature, right? But if we are born again with Christ, then our old nature is crucified and we take on Christ's nature. So while it may be true that your own nature is not like prayerful, but that's okay because you, we no longer have that old nature. And as we take on Christ's nature, so then actually it's very natural. It is in our new nature to pray because we know Jesus, despite how busy he is, right, has carved out time to regularly pray alone and with his disciples. So also, you know, talking about nature, honestly, it felt very strange for me to be standing here to speak to you about prayer. You know, you hear some people say, and you know, I, John was telling me, it's always like prayer. Uh, and I hear some people say, prayer has always been my thing. But that wasn't me at all. You know, I came um, to Christ at 18 right here at FGA. Um, and I, prior to that, I've never prayed. I didn't know how to pray. I don't know what to say when I have to pray. And we have a youth leader, uh, a youth pastor, Pastor Larry Sebastian, who, um, whose primary gifting, I reckon, is to put people out of their comfort zone. So I remember, like, you know, at that time, our church was very small. It wasn't even a big group like that. And then he put me on the spot to pray. I was traumatized. <laughs> I, I was traumatized. And then I thought, okay, I better learn from that, right? So the next time, I want to be prepared. So I want to have my notes so that I know what to pray. So when I'm, like, nervous, I wouldn't be thinking, oh, what shall I say, you know? So, so I had that. And then what happened was, in a small group prayer meeting, I know John Paul said, but I'm going to tell on him anyway. When I first met JP, he was, like, what, 13, 14? And we were in this, like, youth group prayer meeting, small group, maybe five, six of us, and he was standing next to me. I still remember this so clearly because it was so traumatic. 
I had my notes with me, and, and, and you know, it was my turn to pray, and I was praying on my, on, you know, according to my notes. And then John Paul, at that time, you know, he had no clue about personal boundaries. So he was like seeing me looking at something, and then he's like leaned over and said, and then he's like, oh, do you write down all your notes when you pray? And I was shocked that he would do that. And I was embarrassed. And again, I was traumatized. And you know, people said that the trauma that you experience as a child stayed with you for a long time. I was a child in my faith. I was a child starting to stick a bow step in prayer because my youth pastor, you know, just like to push people out of their comfort zone. Um, <laughs> so it took me a long time. So I, I never liked prayer. I never liked prayer. It took me a long time to recover. It's still something that, you know, when someone put me on the spot to pray, something in me just go, oh. <laughs> and I go, okay, okay, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Um, so it's not in my nature to pray. So you know what? Imagine my surprise. I still, I remember all these things very vividly. 2016, do you remember Pastor Subi? Yeah, he came and then he called me out and then he said, God has specifically asked me to release part of the impartation of prayer on my life, on your life. And then he said, you will begin to see visions and dreams. And then at that time, I wanted to open my eyes to look around to see if he was actually praying for me because I did not quite connect with what he's saying at all. But then his hand was on my head. And I couldn't open my eye and look around because it was like... Um, so, but it wasn't until 2020 that I really began to feel the call and the desire towards prayer. But it's taken me that long. So if you come to me and you said, it is not in your nature, I have no sympathy for you. <laughs> I don't. But the thing is, right, that's, our God is good like that because He takes the areas in our lives where it is dry, when, when, when it is like the valley, right? And it, it, the areas in our lives that look like the enemy has the upper hand. And He takes that and He turns it around and He throws it in the enemy's face so that He can be glorified because, trust me, if I... I wouldn't initiate that. I wouldn't have. I simply wouldn't have, right? But all I could do is to respond to God's call. And I am very convicted in my spirit that this season of our church, God is raising up and calling and inviting and wanting to establish a spirit of prayer and that will have to undergird everything that we do that will bring forth and raise up, bring forth the revival that we've been praying, the revival that we've been, we've been um, you know, singing, um, and that will raise the spiritual temperature of our church. So that is my strong conviction. So even though I'm uncomfortable, even though it's not really against my, it's not really in my nature, it's something that we just respond to. And God is calling, God is inviting, and I'm hoping that 
you know, by faith, I'm hoping that even as I sow these seeds, that it's going to drop onto good soil by faith. And it's going to bring forth that spirit of prayer that undergird everything that we do in our church. Okay, so we talk about James has established um, in previous verses the ministry of confession and healing. Um, and it's not limited that to our faith leaders, but to everyone. So if any one of you think that, um, that your prayers don't matter or you're not spiritual enough, um, remember what James said about Elijah, that he is a man with nature just like ours. Okay, so that was the first part of my message. It is the what. So James has told us what we need to do, right? Personal prayer when we are uh, suffering, when we are cheerful, interpersonal and corporate prayer, and I've expounded on why it's so, well, I haven't said why it's so important, but I, I, I you know, expounded a little bit on that. Um, but you know, I'm, I know I'm not talking to like five-year-olds, right? And I know that if I only tell you what to do, you will do it, you will do it for a little while, and then it will go back to nothing. Because we, we crave why we need to understand. Well, I was talking to Rachel, and uh, she's been listening to like, this podcast, and one of the things she told me was that, you know, to keep on doing the what, the right what that we think is important, is to have a strong why. So we've, we've covered what to do. Right? James is very clear on what to do. It's very practical. So, um, okay, before, now I want to move on to why pray, but before that, I want to put up this quote by S.D. Gordon. So he uh, was a pro very prolific writer on prayer, and in um, one of his books, Quiet Talks on Prayer, he said this, you can do more than prayer after you have prayed but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Prayer is striking the winning blow. Our service or our action, the things that we do, is gathering up the results. You know, when James told us what to do, I want to know why, right? I want to know that, and I'm sure you do too, if I'm asking you to pray, I'm asking you to spend more time praying, I'm asking you to place prayer as a high priority in your life, right? You want to know that it matters. And sure, you know, sometimes we God requires us to do the what without fully understanding the why. But with prayer, the scripture tells us why. So let's go into it. Why pray? I have three reasons. It's no, by no means comprehensive. So why pray? God chooses to use humans to accomplish his purpose on earth. Now, that plan began at creation. God gave Adam and Eve and his descendants dominion over all the earth um, and all creation. So they were created to represent God, in the image of God, to represent God on earth with full authority. Adam was in charge. So how the earth fared depended entirely on Adam and Eve and his descendants. Um, so, so complete right? Because God gave his authority to um, Adam and Eve 
to, um, to have dominion over the earth. So, so complete is the authority that Adam and Eve could give it away. And that's exactly what they did. You know, in um, Luke 4, verse 6 and 7, I don't think I've got that. Um, you know when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness? This is one of the things he said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory. All this domain, he's referring to the earth, right? Because it has been handed over to me, for it has been handed over to me. By whom? By humans. By Adam and Eve. And I can give it whomever I wish. So we know that Adam and Eve failed, and God redeemed his plan by sending Jesus, God in human form. So, so com final and complete was God's decision to do things on earth through human, that when Jesus um, wanted to, you know, when, when, like Jesus had to come in human form just to regain back the authority that Adam has lost. He can't just do it from wherever, in the heavenly, as a heavenly being. He has to come incarnate as human form. So that's how um, complete and final God's decision is to use humans in all the authority on earth. So um, because God has chosen to work and is still choosing to work through us human, our prayers is not just something that I encourage you to do because you know, it's important. Our prayers is then necessary to bring forth God's plans and purposes on earth because it, without our prayers, without humans um, partnering and aligning with God, God's plan simply cannot be brought forth here. So our prayers are necessary. The stakes are very high because we are talking about our lives. We're talking about your family. We're talking about your children. Right? We're talking about our church, the city we are living in. We talk about global affairs. Whatever it is that's happening on earth, for us to bring forth, for God to have his plan come forth into fruition, we have to partner with him in prayer and in deeds. So our, our prayers, it's very necessary because the stakes are very high. It's a staggering truth. The consequences of prayerlessness is astounding. So we cannot not pray. We absolutely cannot not pray. So it's been actually, after all these years, right, it's been my personal experience um, to, you know, I've made many attempts to try to keep prayers regular, fervent, um, to the forefront, you know, make my number one go to instead of immediately go and try to solve the issue. Um, and I failed countless times. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit began to reveal the importance and how much pray, how important, like how crucial, how necessary prayer is that I could um, develop a greater passion and fervency for prayer. So, you know, there are people who are suffering here, right? We are going through difficulty. We have burdens. If you want to see changes, you want to see God's plan come to fruition in the circumstances that you are in, you cannot not have prayer. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago at the ladies' ministry, we had um, the privilege of hearing a prayerful mom intercede and pray fervently, passionately, and God answered her prayer. 
So I just want to encourage you, right? Prayer is necessary. It is a necessary thing because God has chosen to use human in all of his affairs here on earth. And number two, um, prayer changes things. So the whole passage that we've read about James exhorting us to pray in every circumstance points to the fact that there is power in prayer because otherwise the whole thing can be removed from the Bible. Um, because God still, in his sovereignty, still chooses to use us, so our prayer then, our participation, our partnering with him, our aligning with him, our hearing him so that we know what and how to pray is very important. So our prayers affect the change. They can bring transformation and they can thwart evil plans over your life, over the lives of your loved ones, over our cities, and it can establish God's plans in all of those. Sure, you know, when we pray, sometimes God says no. Um, like when the apostle Paul prayed for God to remove the thorn um, in his flesh, whatever that was, God said no. And many of us here have prayed for a myriad of things and God said no. Um, sometimes when we pray, the answer could be yes, could be no, or could be wait. But that doesn't take away our responsibility. It doesn't um, cause us to abdicate because answers, it's God's domain. Prayer is our responsibility. Okay, the effective, um, this is verse 16. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Why prayer changes things is this. Um, it says it avails much. Now, it doesn't say it avails everything. That means when we pray, prayer changes things, right? But then um, God is still sovereign. So that's that healthy kind of tension. Um, but it avails much. So while God doesn't just nearly, like, really nearly answer all our prayers, our prayers does make a massive difference because it avails much. And God doesn't stray from his word. He doesn't say, whatever you pray, it will, be, like, it will avail to everything, but it avails much. So what is fervent uh, prayer? Fervent, when we look at fervent, it involves some degree of passion, is commensurate with the severity of the need, is intense, is passionate, and this, this, it's enduring. Um, I remember in um, 2020, one of my kids, um, Rachel, I can, I can share a story about her because she's not here today. Um, Rachel, she was, um, you know, it was a time where it was her last year of studying and she was looking for work. Um, it wasn't a very um, difficult time because we were in lockdown um, for her to look for work. And I remember when she started having interview, um, I would like I would be praying for her uh, nonstop because I know how important it is. It was like a, a constant prayer. I mean, I don't, nonstop. I don't mean like nonstop, but it's constantly in my mind. I'm constantly offering up prayers for her. And I was I remember one thing during an interview um, with with a firm, and then I was standing outside of. Uh, the room that she was having interviewing, it was an online interview, and I remember seeing this vision of the back of her, uh, and then next to her there was um, like a someone dressed in white, and then then I knew that there was 
um, God is assuring me that His presence will be with, with her and there will be um, divine help. But then the, the strange thing was that position where the table where she was um, doing the interview was in a different position. So then I felt the Lord saying, different position, different position. So then I felt God saying that, oh, you know what? It's not this position that she's interviewing that the Lord will, you know, give to her. So then later on, she had an interview with a company that, like, if she got the job, it, to her, it would be like the, 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 the dream job. So, and I know how much she wanted it. So then, day I would be praying, that like it would just be so heavy on my heart. I would just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. It was fervent, it was passionate, it was enduring. So much so, I remember this so clearly because I went out to pray. It was after her final interview, right? And I went out to pray in the morning. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed until I felt the Lord said, rest your case. He's like, rest your case. Rest and rejoice. So it's like, it's fervent, it's passion, it's, it's enduring till I felt that sense of peace that, you know, God has hurt me and that, and that the vision that I saw is this position. Sometimes when we pray, we don't carry it to the end. And I want to encourage you, fervent prayer. The effective, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man. Fervent, enduring, passionate, intense. It avails much. Number, th uh, the number three. It's for our benefit. To be in prayer is to respond to God's invitation into His sacred presence. You know, when we come into His presence and we bring to Him our concerns and our needs, we walk away from that feeling encouraged and at peace because we have been with Him. And also when we, are coming, when we come into His presence, when we behold Him, when we take delight in Him, you know, the Bible says that He grants us our heart's desires as we delight in Him because as we behold Him, as we delight in Him, our desires become transformed and we take on His desires. So then we align our will with Him. We want to see His will come to pass through our lives and that's when we can be expecting that He's going to answer our prayers. Philippians 4, 6-7. I don't have that. Okay. It says, Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and requests to God. Then because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with peace so that no one can completely... Sorry. So that... Then, because you belong to Christ, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control the way you think and the way you feel. So, um, one quick analogy. I thought it was quite funny because you all know that we went to uh, the US uh, recently in January for a holiday. And we had to do all these multiple transits. And then, you know, in US domestic, if you check your bag in, you got to pay 35 US dollars for the first one, then it gets more expensive. So then we would like check just a couple of bags in because it's necessary. And then we will pack our hand carry suitcase to the brim and each one of us would like, you know, be carrying one. And then I remember while we were at the boarding gate waiting to board, all of us with one big hand carry stuff to the, to the brim. Um, we were queuing together and then suddenly one of my kids said, where's that? It's like, oh yeah, where's that? That's gone. And then we were like, Locate, try to locate him, and, and he's gone, he's nowhere to be seen. I called him, and then he's gone ahead of us 
with his bag, gone ahead of us, like he was about to be seated while we are still queuing. And then my kids are like, why did they always leave us behind? But like, Chris, 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 what Chris wanted to do was he wanted to, because he knows we have a lot of bags, he wanted to get in and like, you know, like choke the overhead cabin space for us so that when we, it's our turn to go, because we are slow, you know, we have a lot of bags, then we have space. So he wanted to quickly get in and, and, and guard it. But then, as we are queuing, because we were one of the last ones, because we were very slow, um, the person at the gate said, oh, would you like to check in all your bags? And I said, yes. I want to check in all my bags. So you know, it's a little bit like that. When we come into the presence of God, we checked in all our bags. We don't have to think and worry and be burdened with, oh, I need to solve it myself. I need to leave my family behind and quickly get in the line and, you know, get a spot and make sure I've got all this, this whole row from my family's bags. It's, it's a little bit like that. When we come to God and we just put that burden, that, that baggage of worry, because I don't understand why people don't check in their bags. Because when he, they were asking a lot of people ahead of us, they would prefer to hold it with them and then just bring it onto the plane. And then I was like, why? Right? It's so easy to just like check it in and then just go in and, sit and then just ascend and be at peace. And then when you're done, you come down and the bags will be there in that whatever circling thing. And then you just pick it up. So why pray? Because it's for our benefit. When we are suffering, we don't want to have to carry that because it affects how we think and how we feel and then it leaks into everything that we do. Right? So James tells us what to do. And then I go, this is why you need to do what James has called us to do. Because God chooses to use us. And because our prayers avail much and that it is for our benefit. Okay, let me pray. Father, I want to thank you, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would help us to purpose in our hearts, Lord God, to really cultivate a spirit of prayer in our church, Father. Lord God, that instead of merely praying from our hearts, Lord God, that you would draw us, that as we spend time with you, you would draw us into your thinking, you would draw us into your vision, you would draw us into your desire, so that when we pray, Father God, we are not merely just praying for our hearts, but we are praying your heart. And that when we do that, Lord God, we know that you're going to answer our prayer, that we then are partnering and aligning with you in bringing forth and birthing forth your plans here on earth, Father God. I want to commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank Mayan for really sharing, I think, her, her, her story, her journey um, through her life, as she um, lives a life of prayer in her life now. And I love how you started off, Mayan. how this year for you is a year of getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. And so right now in our service, this is actually part of our service, I want to actually encourage everyone that now we're going to take some time corporately to pray together. Um, if you have kids in kids' ministry, I'm going to ask you if you, want, if you can, go quickly out and grab your kids and bring them back in here. We are a family church and we want to pray as families today. So if you're a parent, you know, kids in kids' ministry, you can go out now grab them and bring them back in here. If you have to leave, I know it's 11.45, you can leave, but I strongly encourage you right now, we only do this maybe 
two or three times in a year. I encourage all of us, can we stay around? This is actually part of our service. And we're going to pray. We're going to uh, maybe for like a, like a next hour. Um, to, there's no snacks outside. The coffee machine's not running, so there's no need to go out. Yeah, um, but I know some of us find this really difficult. Um, it's a bit uncomfortable to pray as a group. And maybe for some of us, we haven't been praying a lot. And maybe of us, we're not, we're not used to corporate, pr- corporately praying. But look, it's time to get uncomfortable. And I think if we don't bring ourselves to a, to a place of uncomfortability, God can't work in our lives. It's like a muscle. I think prayer is like a muscle for us. If we don't work it, we lose it. And so I think we need to work that this morning. Uh, as I said, I want to encourage us to stay. And we're going to pray. Um, it's not going to be hard. I mean, it may be a little bit hard at the start, but I think as we start to do it, it's going to become easier. And so this, this afternoon, um, I'm going to say this morning still, it's actually still this morning, it's actually not even 12 yet. Uh, we're going to sing a couple of songs and then we're going to pray. Um, I think John and Mayanne are going to lead us into time of prayer together this morning. We're going to have some prayer corporate and then some prayer in groups together. But I encourage you to hang back to 12, probably at 12.30 with us. And then we can pray. I think God is going to really raise the spiritual temperature of your life, but also the church, even as we come together and pray together. So Ian, over to you. We're going we're gonna to sing. If you, as I said, if you have kids, feel free to pick your kids up. But I encourage everyone to, come, to hang back and to pray with us this, this morning.